Section thirty three of Greece and Rome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sonia as the narrator. Alan Mapstone as Jupiter. Thomas Peter as Mercury. T.J. Burns as the first customer. Phone as Pythagoras. Sandra Schmidt as the second customer. Son of the Exiles as Diogenes. Angelique Campbell as the third customer. Monica as the fourth customer. Jim Locke as Democritus. Devorah Allen as Heraclitus. Roger Moline as Socrates. April 1690 as the fifth customer. Craig Franklin as the sixth customer. Todd as the seventh customer. Larry Wilson as Chrysippus. Sarah Hale as the eighth customer. Eva Davis as the ninth customer. And Nemo as Pyrrha. The World's Story, Volume 4, Greece and Rome, edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 33. The Sale of the Philosophers, 2nd Century A.D., by lucian st paul says that the chief occupation of the athenians was to tell or to hear some new thing and most certainly the passion for talk dominated the citizens of athens and an audience was always ready to listen to any speaker who would present some ingenious argument these so-called philosophers found the worship of the gods an attractive subject for their attacks in the following skit the gods are represented as appearing in person to avenge themselves upon the various philosophical systems at one blow the editor scene a slave mart jupiter mercury philosophers in the garb of slaves for sale audience of buyers now you arrange the benches and get the place ready for the company you bring out the goods and set them in a row but trim them up a little first and make them look their best to attract as many customers as possible you mercury must put up the lots and bid all comers welcome to the sale gentlemen we are here going to offer you philosophical systems of all kinds and of the most varied and ingenious description if any gentleman happens to be short of ready money he can give his security for the amount and pay next year mercury to jupiter there are a great many come so we had best begin at once and not keep them waiting begin the sale then whom shall we put up first this fellow with the long hair the ionian he's rather an imposing personage you pythagoras step out and show yourself to the company put him up gentlemen we here offer you a professor of very best and most select description who buys who wants to be a cut above the rest of the world who wants to understand the harmonies of the universe and to live two lives footnote mr grote in the introductory chapter of his plato thus sketches the pythagorean doctrine of the music of the spheres 
the revolutions of such grand bodies the sun and planets could not take place in the opinion of the pythagoreans without producing a loud and powerful sound and as their distances from the central fire were supposed to be arranged in musical ratios so the result of all these separate sounds was full and perfect harmony to the objection why were not these sounds heard by us they replied that we had heard them constantly and without intermission from the hour of our birth hence they had become imperceptible by habit the two lives is of course an allusion to pythagoras notion of the transmigration of souls it is said of him that he professed to be conscious of having been formerly euphorbus one of the chiefs present at the siege of troy and of having subsequently borne other shapes there is also a story of his having interfered on behalf of a dog which was being beaten declaring that in its cries he recognized the voice of a departed friend and a footnote customer turning the philosopher round and examining him he's not bad to look at what does he know best arithmetic astronomy prognostics geometry music and conjuring you've a first-rate soothsayer before you may one ask him a few questions certainly aside and much good may the answers do you what country do you come from samos where were you educated in egypt among the wise men there suppose i buy you now what will you teach me i will teach you nothing only recall things to your memory footnote that all knowledge is but recollection is an assertion attributed both to pythagoras and plato and a footnote how will you do that first i will clean out your mind and wash out all the rubbish well suppose that done how do you proceed to refresh the memory first by long repose and silence speaking no word for five whole years footnote the injunction of a period of silence upon neophytes the five years is most likely an exaggeration was plainly meant as a check upon their presuming to teach before they had matured their knowledge and the footnote why look ye my good fellow you'd best go teach the dumb son of crasis i want to talk and not be a dummy well but after this silence and these five years you shall learn music and geometry a queer idea that one must be a fiddler before one can be a wise man then you shall learn the science of numbers thank you but i know how to count already how do you count one two three four ha <laughs> what you call four is ten and the perfect triangle and the great oath by which we swear footnote ten being the sum of one two three four number in the system of pythagoras was the fundamental principle of all things in the monad unity he recognized the deity and a footnote now so help me the great ten and four i never heard more divine or more wonderful words 
and afterwards stranger you shall learn about earth and air and water and fire what is their action and what their form and what their motion what have fire air or water bodily shape surely they have else without form and shape how could they move besides you shall learn that the deity consists in number mind and harmony what you say is really wonderful besides what i have just told you you shall understand that you yourself who seem to be one individual are really somebody else what do you mean to say i'm somebody else and not myself now talking to you just at this moment you are but once upon a time you appeared in another body and under another name and hereafter you will pass again into another shape still after a little more discussion of this philosopher's tenets he is purchased on behalf of a company of professors from magna Grecia for ten minae footnote a minor is equal to about eighteen dollars and a footnote the next lot is diogenes the cynic who will you have next that dirty fellow from pontus ay he'll do here you with a wallet on your back you round-shouldered fellow come out and walk round the ring a grand character here gentlemen a most extraordinary and remarkable character i may say a really free man here i have to offer you who'll buy how say you mr salesman sell a free citizen oh yes are you not afraid he may bring you before the court of areopagus for kidnapping huh. he doesn't mind about being sold he says he's free wherever he goes or whatever becomes of him but what could one do with such a dirty wretched-looking body unless one were to make a ditcher or a water-carrier of him well or if you employ him as door-porter you'll find him more trustworthy than any dog in fact dog is his name where does he come from and what does he profess ask him that will be most satisfactory oh, i'm afraid of him he looks so savage and sulky perhaps he'll bark if i go near him or even bite me i shouldn't wonder don't you see how he handles his club and knits his brows and looks threatening and angry oh there's no fear he's quite tame customer approaching diogenes cautiously first my good fellow what country are you from diogenes surlily all countries how can that be i am a citizen of the world what master do you profess to follow hercules why don't you adopt the lion's hide then i see you have the club here's my lion's hide this old cloak like hercules i wage war against pleasure but not under orders as he did but of my own free will my choice is to cleanse human life a very good choice too 
but what do you profess to know best or of what arts are you master i am the liberator of mankind the physician of the passions in short i claim to be the prophet of truth and liberty come now sir prophet suppose i buy you after what fashion will you instruct me i shall first take and strip you of all your luxury confine you to poverty and put an old garment on you then i shall make you work hard and lie on the ground and drink water only and fill your belly with whatever comes first your money if you have any at my bidding you must take and throw into the sea and you must care for neither wife nor children nor country and hold all things vanity and leave your father's house and sleep in an empty tomb or a ruined tower ay or in a tub and have your wallet filled with lentils and parchments close written on both sides and in this state you shall profess yourself happier than the king of the east and if any man beats you or tortures you this you shall hold to be not painful at all how do you mean to say i shall not feel pain when i'm beaten do you think i have the shell of a crab or tortoise man you can quote that line of euripides you know slightly altered and what's that pray thy mind shall feel pain but thy tongue confess none footnote this unfortunate quibble of euripides which he puts into the mouth of hippolytus in his play hippolytus six hundred and twelve as a defence of perjury my tongue has sworn it but my thought was free was a never-failing subject of parody to his critics and satirists and a footnote but the qualifications you will most require are these you must be unscrupulous and brazen-faced and ready to revile prince and peasant alike so shall men take notice of you and hold you for a brave man moreover let your speech be rough and your voice harsh and in fact like a dog's growl and your countenance rigid and your gait corresponding to it and your manner generally brute-like and savage all modesty and gentleness and moderation put far from you the faculty of blushing you must eradicate utterly seek the most crowded haunts of men but when there keep solitary and hold converse with none address neither friend nor stranger for that would be the ruin of your empire do in sight of all what others are almost ashamed to do alone at the last 
if you choose choke yourself with a raw polypus or an onion footnote the first mode of suicide was said to have been adopted by the philosopher democritus and the footnote and this happy consummation i devoutly wish you customer recovering from some astonishment get out with you what abominable and unnatural principles but very easy to carry out mind you and not at all difficult to learn one needs no education or reading or such nonsense for this system it is the real shortcut to reputation be you the most ordinary person cobbler sausage-monger carpenter pawnbroker nothing hinders your being the object of popular admiration provided only that you've impudence enough and brass enough and a happy talent for bad language well i don't require your instructions in that line possibly however you might do for a bargeman or a gardener at a pinch footnote for the accomplishments of the bargemen and vine-dressers in the way of bad language we have horace's testimony satires one five and seven and a footnote if this party has a mind to sell you for a couple of oboli i couldn't give more footnote about eight cents and a footnote mercury eagerly take him at your own bidding we're glad to get rid of him he is so troublesome balls so and insults everybody up and down and uses such very bad language call out the next the sereniac there in purple with the garland on now gentlemen let me beg your best attention this next lot is a very valuable one quite suited to parties in a good position here's pleasure and perfect happiness all for sale who'll give me a bidding now for perpetual luxury and enjoyment a chironaic bearing traces of recent debauch staggers into the ring come forward here and tell us what you know i shouldn't mind buying you if you've any useful qualities don't disturb him sir if you please just now don't ask him any questions the truth is he has taken a little too much that's why he doesn't answer his tongue's not quite steady and who and their senses do you suppose would buy such a debauched and drunken rascal how he smells of unguents and look how he staggers and goes from side to side as he walks footnote if this be really meant for aristippus the founder of the cyrenaic philosophy it is the most unfair presentation of all and the footnote but tell us now mercury what qualifications he really has and what he knows anything about well he's very pleasant company good to drink with and can sing and dance a little useful to a master who is a man of pleasure and fond of a gay life besides he is a good cook and clever in made dishes and in short 
a complete master of the science of luxury. He was brought up at Athens, and was once in the service of the tyrants of Sicily, who gave him a very good character. The sum of his principles is to despise everything, to make use of everything, and to extract the greatest amount of pleasure from everything. Then you must look out for some other purchaser, among the rich and wealthy here. I can't afford to buy such an expensive indulgence. I fear, Jupiter, we shall have this lot left on our hands. He's unsaleable. Put him aside and bring out another. Stay. Those two there, that fellow from Abdera, who is always laughing, and the Ephesian, who is always crying. I've a mind to sell them as a pair. Stand out there in the ring, you two. We offer here, sirs, two most admirable characters, the wisest we've had for sale yet. By Jove, they are a remarkable contrast. Why, one of them never stops laughing, while the other seems to be in trouble about something, for he is in tears all the time. A liar, fellow. What's all this about? What are you laughing at? Need you ask? Because everything seems to me so ridiculous, you yourselves included. What? Do you mean to laugh at us all to our faces and mock at all we say and do? Undoubtedly, there's nothing in life that's serious. Everything is unreal and empty, a mere fortuitous concurrence of indefinite atoms. You're an indefinite atom yourself, you rascal. Confound your insolence, won't you stop laughing? But you there, poor soul. To Heraclitus. Why do you weep so? For there seems more use in talking to you. Because, stranger, everything in life seems to me to call for pity and to deserve tears. There is nothing but what is liable to calamity. Wherefore I mourn for men and pity them. The evil of today I regard not much. But I mourn for that which is to come hereafter, the burning and destruction of all things. This I grieve for, and that nothing is permanent, but all mingled, as it were, in one bitter cup. Pleasure that is no pleasure, knowledge that knows nothing, greatness that is so little, all going round and round and taking their turn in this game of life. What do you hold human life to be, then? A child at play handling its toys and changing them with every caprice and what are men gods but mortal and the gods men but immortal you speak in riddles fellow and put us off with puzzles you are as bad as apolloxias giving oracles that no man can understand yea i trouble not myself or any of ye then no man in his senses is like to buy you. Woe, woe to every man of ye, I say, buyers or not buyers. Why, this fellow is pretty near mad. I'll have naught to do with either of them for my part. Mercury, turning to Jupiter. We shall have this pair left on our hands too. Put up another. Will you have that Athenian there? Who talks so much? I try him. Step out there. A highly moral character, gentlemen, and very sensible. 
who makes me an offer for this truly pious lot the morality which the satirist puts into the mouth of socrates in his replies to the interrogatories of his would-be purchaser is that which was attributed to him probably quite without foundation by his enemies the customer next asks where he lives i live in a certain city of mine own building a new model republic and i make laws for myself footnote it must be remembered that plato in his republic makes socrates the expositor of his new polity throughout he had probably derived at least the leading ideas from him End of footnote. what is the main feature of your philosophy the existence of ideals and patterns of all things in nature everything you see the earth and all that is on it the heavens the sea all of these there exist invisible ideals external to this visible universe and pray where are they nowhere if they were confined to any place you see they could not be at all i never see any of these ideals of yours of course not the eyes of your soul are blind but i can see the ideals of all things i see an invisible double of yourself and another self besides myself in fact i see everything double bless me i must buy you you are so very clever and sharp-sighted come turning to mercury what do you ask for him give us two talents for him footnote a greek talent was equal to about eleven hundred dollars and a footnote i'll take him at your price i'll pay you another time what's your name dion of syracuse mercury makes a note taken and good luck to you now epicurus we want you who will buy this lot he's a disciple of that laughing fellow and also of the other drunken party whom we put up just now he knows more than either of them however on one point he's more of an infidel otherwise he's a pleasant fellow and fond of good eating what's his price to minnie here's the money but just tell us what he likes best oh anything sweet honey cakes and figs especially they're easily got carrion figs are cheap enough now then call another him with the shaven crown there and gloomy looks the one we got from the porch yonder you're right i fancy a good many of our customers who have come to the sale are waiting to bid for him now i'm going to offer you the most perfect article of all virtue personified who wants to be the only man who knows everything what do you mean i mean that here you have the only wise man the only handsome man the only righteous man the true and only king general orator legislator and everything else there is the true and only cook then i conclude and cobbler and carpenter and so forth i conclude so too come then my good fellow if i'm to purchase you tell me all about yourself and first let me ask with all these wonderful qualifications are you not mortified at being put up for sale here as a slave not at all such things are external to ourselves 
and whatever is external to ourselves it follows must be matters of indifference to us the stoic proceeds to explain his tenets in the technical jargon of his school which his listener declares to be utterly incomprehensible and on which modern readers would pronounce much the same judgment his great accomplishment lies as he himself professes in the skilful handling of sophisms word nets as he calls them in which he entangles his opponents stops their mouths and reduces them to silence he gives an example of his art which is a curious specimen of the kind of folly to which the wisdom of the ancients occasionally condescended a crocodile is supposed to have seized a boy in crossing a river and promises to restore him to his father if this latter can guess correctly what he intends to do with him if he guesses that the crocodile means to give him back he has guessed wrong because the crocodile's real intention is to eat him if he guesses that the crocodile means to eat him why then if the crocodile gives him back after all the guess would plainly be proved wrong by the result so that there seems no chance for the father guess which he will the philosopher assures his listener that this is but one out of many choice examples of the sophistical art with which he is prepared to furnish him and when the other retorts upon him somewhat in his own style the stoic threatens to knock him down with an indemonstrable syllogism the effect of which he warns him will be to plunge him into eternal doubt everlasting silence and distraction of mind in the end however he is purchased by his interrogator for self and company the next who is put up for sale is the peripatetic by whom aristotle is clearly intended with him the satirist deals briefly and lightly as though he had some tenderness for that particular school you will find him says the auctioneer moderate upright consistent in his life and what makes him yet more valuable is that in him you are really buying two men how do you make that out asks the customer because explains mercury he appears to be one person outside and another inside and remember if you buy him you must call one esoteric and the other exoteric with such recommendations the peripatetic finds a ready purchaser for the large sum of twenty minae. last comes the sceptic pyrrho who figures by a slight change of name as pyria a common appellation for a barbarian slave the intending purchaser asks him a few questions tell me now what do you know nothing what do you mean that nothing seems to me certain are we ourselves nothing well that is what i'm not sure of don't you know whether you are anything yourself that is what i'm still more in doubt about what creature of doubts it is and what are those scales for pray i weigh arguments in them and balance them one against another and then when i find them precisely equal and of the same weight why i find it impossible to tell which of them is true well is there anything you can do in any other line of business anything except catch a runaway slave why can't you do that well because you see i've no faculty of apprehension footnote 
the pun here happens to be the same in english as in greek but the athenians were fonder of such wordplay than we are and a footnote so i should think you seem to me quite slow and stupid and now what do you consider the main end of knowledge ignorance to hear nothing and see nothing you confess yourself blind and deaf then yea and void of sense and perception and in no wise differing from a worm i must buy you to mercury what shall we say for him an attic mina here tis now fellow have i bought you or not tell me well it's a doubtful question not at all at least i paid for you i reserve my opinion on that point it requires consideration <laughs> follow me at all events that's a servant's duty are you sure you're stating a fact customer impatiently there's the auctioneer and there's the money and there are the bystanders to witness are you sure there are any bystanders i'll have you off to the grinding-house sir and make you feel i'm your master by very tangible proofs footnote slaves who misbehaved were put to work in the grinding-house as a punishment and a footnote stay i should like to argue that point a little the doubting philosopher is hurried off still unconvinced by mercury and his new owner and the sale is adjourned to the next day when mercury promises the public that he will have some cheaper bargains to offer the whole scene reads like a passage from the old aristophanic comedy and though some of the allusions must necessarily lose much of their pungency from our comparative ignorance of the popular philosophy of lucian's day the humour of it is still sufficiently entertaining End of section thirty three. This recording is in the public domain.